Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Opera After Dark. Right in the mask. That just to show that when I sang Flora, I did not learn the words. Right. Where did you sing Flora? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. No. I did one time when I was in college at a concert performance, did sing the Alfredo part of the Brindisi. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was fun. It was a good would time. Would you like to regale us with some of it now? Probably not. Besides, oh. I don't know if my microphone could take it. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, folks, our topic for today is... La Traviata. Yeah, La Traviata. we're going to talk about one of the big fancy ones that most people know, which is a little bit of a departure. This is true. Us. That's true. Although if ever there was a drinking opera. It's Traviata. It's Traviata. Yeah. This is I it. Mean, they have a whole song about drinking, or rather a drinking song. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Um, so Traviata, written by Joe Green. Joe Green, Giuseppe Verdi. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a pretty important opera in his output because it's kind of right around the time where he's trying to switch to like a new, much more dramatically driven style. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of in that middle period where he's pivoting between things. So it's kind of couched between Trovatore and Rigoletto, if I recall correctly. And it's one of like the most famous operas. Oh, definitely. On the planet. Like it's performed all the time. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it could be in the... ABCs, but I think we already said that the T was Tosca, so... But it could be Traviata. It could be Traviata. It is, so Traviata is... La Traviata translates roughly to the fallen woman or mm-hmm. the fallen one. And wah, wah, wah. Yes, but the thing that people talk about a lot with this opera is that it's kind of heralded as an example of how Verdi composed characters such that you could relate to and kind of championed the outcast or the person that was socially ostracized in some way. So like Rigoletto. Like Rigoletto. And Traviata is another example where the main character, Violetta, she is a fallen woman, quote unquote. She Mm -hmm. has made her living as a courtesan. And he shows through the course of the opera and through the way that he writes the music for her that she is actually the best person in the opera. Like even though... She has been forced into some horrible circumstances in her life. She occupies the moral high ground, so to speak, in the way that she treats others and in the choices that she ultimately makes when it really counts. So, Do people, is it thought that Verdi wrote these types of characters because he felt like an outcast or is that too big of a leap? I don't know if he felt like an outcast, but I think people theorize that he had a lot of sympathy for and really understood that particular position partially because he was in a relationship for many many years with um 
can't remember her first name, but her last name was Straponi. Mm-hmm. And so his first wife died when they were very early in their early married years. Uh, she died after or in childbirth and then like both of two of his children died. So like he had a huge amount of tragedy in his young adult life. And so he lost his first wife. He lost two of his children in a very short amount of time. And this was right around the time that he was writing um, his first two operas and then also Nabucco. And yeah. so his wife and his children die. His first two operas were complete flops. Yikes. And he was like, this is the worst. I'm giving up on all of this. Like, this is a sign that I'm not supposed to do this whole composing thing. And then his publisher convinced him to, like, try one more time with Nabucco. It was a huge hit. And he basically was, like, top of the charts, a mega compositional superstar from that point onward. Man, can you imagine if he was just like, I'm done. Right. Right. And I mean, he actually reached that point again later in life after he had composed a ton, had huge amounts of successes. He composes Aida later in his life. And then he's like, you know what? That was a that was a great success. I'm going to retire on that one. And he decides to retire. And then his librettists and his uh, publishers, who are all his close friends, Ricordi and Arrigo Boito, they literally spend multiple years trying to convince him to come out of retirement to write another opera. But also, nice. weren't a lot of critics like, you know, Verdi is great at this tragedy stuff, but he can't write a comedy to save his life. Right. And that's why he wrote Falstaff. Most of his works were on the serious, tragic side, sure. very dramatic side. And so they coax him out of retirement to write Otello because Verdi was obsessed with Shakespeare. And so that was a great way to kind of... Uh, I guess, lure him out of retirement. And then critics were very hard on him for not being able to write comedy. Mm-hmm. And so he actually ended his career with a comedic hit with Falstaff. So, yeah, but Traviata happens before all of this. And a lot of people think that he was so good at writing this particular character of Violetta because the love of his life at this time, um, Straponi, they lived together for many years and lived in sin or out of wedlock and were kind of themselves sort of outcasts from society because they lived outside of marriage together for many, many years. They did eventually marry, I believe, but he got a taste of what it was to be ostracized from society because of Uh his long-time affair. His live-in girlfriend. His live-in girlfriend, yes. And I could be wrong, but I read somewhere that they actually lived kind of on the outskirts of town so that she would be kind of a little bit f- removed from all of the social scorn mm-hmm. that she was experiencing when they lived in town. Wow. Yeah. It's intense. So, Traviata is based on a book. Yep. What's the book called? Um, it's called The uh, the Lady of the Camellias, or Le- La Dame. Oh, Camellias, right. Um, by Alexandre Dumas Fils, which is the son of <laughs> Alexandre Dumas, who wrote the Three Musketeers. Did oh, he also write the Count of cool. Monte Cristo? Yeah, I yes. think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aren't there a couple of operas that at least have a, a source material or like are kind of related to that source material? Well, there right. is a, a movie mm-hmm. oh. with um. Oh God! For some reason, I thought that like I want to say Joan Crawford, but I think that's wrong. This could be entirely wrong, but for some reason, I thought that. Like Manola Sco is related to this same 
Nope. No, 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 no. Different thing. Totally different. Okay. All right. Whoa. You're wrong. Fair enough. Manon Lascaux is based on a novel written by André Prévost. A priest. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. Which is a scandal. Right, but then so then let's go is a scandal. But then okay. For some reason I thought maybe that then that original text may have influenced Traviata or I don't know. I'm I'm wrong. Whichever way you look at I it. I think the concept of like of like the fallen the fallen woman, like the virgin whore is this like <laughs> massive archetype yeah. that keeps showing up in literature. Mm-hmm. If you look at something like Pretty Woman, which is basically Traviata oh, with right. a happier ending, nobody dies in it. Yeah. It's it's the same thing. You know, this is like a theme that keeps coming back in literature. And, and in history. Pretty Woman, they actually go and see They do. They go Traviata. and see Traviata. Right. Gosh. That's the opera. I hmm. somehow had forgotten about that. And apparently in the stage show, Pretty Woman Das Musical, music by Brian Adams. Um, oh, really? That's yes, the thing. There is a scene where they go to the opera and there is somebody that sings, uh, I think it's Sempre Libra. Probably. That must be the. Nice. Although I think in the movie, the scene that they show is the like, love me, Alfredo. Maybe, I don't remember. Oh, da, 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 yeah, maybe that's da, da, da. what they do in the show. I haven't know. I probably won't see it because I just feel like it's bad. But Is right. that, so that something that's newly coming out? It just opened on Broadway. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty woman. Okay, so. Yes. The opera. Sorry. La Traviata. Based <laughs> on a novel by Alexandre dumas When did it Dumas-Fee. premiere? dumas So it premiered at it's La like Fenice mid- in 1853. Oh, so yeah. right in the middle of the century, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. So, Rigoletto premiered in 1851, um, and then this is afterwards. Right. So didn't it, didn't Verity want to set it in contemporary times with the censors were like, that's far too scandalous? So the original production was set like 100 years in the past? Kind yes. Of? Yeah. Yes, but his whole idea was that he wanted it set in present day, and they were like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. A scandal. Yes. Uh, Giuseppina Strapponi. That was the name of his... Giuseppina? His living girlfriend so slash wait, eventual whoa, 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 whoa. wife. It was Giuseppina and Giuseppe? Yes. Giuseppina <laughs> and Giuseppe. <laughs> <laughs> Match oh, made in heaven. Yeah, go. Okay. Joseph and Josephine? Josephina. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's so... <laughs> I, I mean, you could say... Can't you say that this is like an early Verismo opera then? Like if it would have been in the present day uh, maybe it's like real life or we or is or is alfredo too much of a not normal person <laughs> it is so the the character of violetta mm-hmm. both in the opera and in the novel by alexander dumas is actually based on a real courtesan that lived in paris right all right guess how old she was when all this shit took place. 14. Oh. Really? Different Damn. times. Different Ooh, times. Definitely different times. Very long. Yes. Do you remember what her name was? She was very famous. Huh. As a courtesan. Yeah. I mean. Let me find out because that's important. She's a very famous courtesan. She like moved in very um, artistic and noble circles. And she was just like a really known. She was like a celebrity in her day. And when was this? This was in the early 1800s, right? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not Naomi that far. Naomi is double double checking her name. I don't remember her name. 
So the novel by Alexandre Dumas was published in 1848. Mm -hmm. and, oh, Marie Duplessis. That was the name of That's the, what it is. the courtesan that the story is based on. Gotcha. Um, and apparently the, the author himself, Alexandre Dumas, he had like a little affair with right. the real courtesan Marie Duplessis. And so that was what inspired the novel. Right. When he was super young, right? When he yes. was in his 20s. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Not super young, but. And Pretty young. young. So the the whole reason why she's called La Demo Camellias was because she was apparently in like very high demand in Paris. Mm. And she would wear a red flower, a red camellia on her when she was menstruating to signal that she was not available. Oh. Yeah. That's smart. She was not available to men. And then if she was wearing a white one or none at all. She, she was, was raring to go. She was, re she was ready. Yeah. You know... Look, it saves a lot of conversation and a lot of awkwardness. I think it's very smart. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. good have, for her. I have no comment. And I and I do remember that the real Marie Duplessis apparently loved pink champagne. That was her <gasps> nice. champagne, her drink yeah. of choice. Yes, you know the first time I had pink champagne was at the Met. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's great. I actually fun story. I don't, I guess yeah. I guess I probably didn't, haven't told you guys this before. The first time that I was served alcohol at like a public place was <laughs> at the Met when I was 20. And the joke was on me because I thought I was hot shit ordering champagne. And then it cost me, it, it was for myself and a friend of mine that was there with me. And it was $19 a glass. Yes. So I paid $40 yeah. for champagne. And, and as a student, I was like, oh. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, was it worth it? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty great experience. But had I known that it was going to cost that much, you bet your ass I would not have done it. Totally. And also, mm -hmm. in, in retrospect, it sounds a little bit trashy, but it was my first time at the Met. Okay, I it's the first to, time like, at the Met. It's fine. You made the most. Not trashy. I felt really fancy. Of course. Yeah, it's good time. Were you wearing a suit? Pink champagne. No, but I was not wearing like your average street clothes. I, okay. It was an event. It was like a thing. A onesie. Yeah. He was wearing a onesie. A unicorn onesie. I was, I was wearing a romp him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. I have heard of the romp him. <laughs> oh boy. Right. Okay. Let's get, let's get back to right. the opera. So Traviata, let's talk about it. When, wait, wait. When Traviata wait. premiered, wait. So when Traviata premiered in Venice, was it like an immediate, people were like, oh my God, this opera is going to stay in the canon for the rest of eternity? Or were people like, eh, it's all right. I'm pretty sure that it was not a success. What? How is When that it first opened. So many tunes. Oh, that is, I know. I was going to say, this is definitely an opera that your average person who is not an opera fan would recognize, would recognize some of the tunes, especially yeah. Brindisi. That's yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is one of the most popular operas of all time now, but at the time, I don't think that it did very well when it first opened. And then it, like, picked up steam. It was so, a, a gradual build. A sleeper hit. Yeah. And <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people blame the lead singer that was singing the role of, of Violetta that it was oh, like no, she was shit. not that good. Oh, no. And so... um. They considered her 
too old to sing the role even though and too overweight to play a young woman dying of consumption oh so this has been going on for like 250 (laughs) years where we're talking about the weight of women in in on the public arena right the singer was the singer was only 38 years old when she sang this role oh and they the public was said to jeer at her for being too old and too overweight to play a girl dying of consumption. And I can tell you from experience that this is a complaint that many people have lodged at Violetta since then, Mm -hmm. which I think is ridiculous because, like, listen to her music. She needs to be able to breathe to sing. Right. So, like, if you're not, if you're not healthy enough to actually breathe and sing, then you can't sing this role and, like, just put some white makeup on her to make her look pale and sickly. Like, she doesn't need to be paper thin to look sickly. Look, I personally feel like you have to suspend disbelief a lot to go to the opera in the first place because people are singing rather than speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, So just get the fuck over it. Right. You know, if she doesn't look, if she doesn't weigh 90 pounds and look like she's dying. If she can sing it and she can act it, what does it matter? Yeah, right. I mean, like, like you're not actually going to expect somebody to be like deathly sick and thin while they're yeah. singing an opera. Yeah, yeah, whatever. People suck. Go on. Okay, so it was a little <laughs> bit of a disaster on its opening night. Verdi even admitted that it he considered opening night a failure, but oh. he said only time will tell if the fault was mine or <laughs> the singers in terms of like the real reasons why I didn't catch on. Huh. And so I think we know now that it's not because the opera itself that there's any problem in the composition per se, because we've watched it thousands and thousands of times over many hundred years now. Right. So Violetta is this character that everybody absolutely loves and kind of falls in love with. And so to kind of give you a sense of the story and some of the musical highlights, because it's so popular. Oh, and it also made its world premiere at La Fenice in Venice, to give you mm-hmm. kind of some context. Was of- it at Carnival? I don't know. It was in March. So, so if that's... Probably not. No? I don't know when I think Carnival... Carnival is in the summer. Wait, no, isn't... Carnival is leading up to the Lent season, right? Is it? I think so. I don't know. Shoot, I don't, I don't know. I only know that a lot of operas that were composed in like the 16th and 17th century in Venice happened at Carnival as part of like the festivities. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, there's one in particular we can talk about at a later date. But oh, nice. Which one? Is that Il Jason? Oh, but that's much earlier than this. Way or like 200 yeah. years earlier than this. But All right. anyway, Future go on. So, so the the novel by Alexander Dumas Fee, Fee. <laughs> opens <laughs> opens with a description of how basically spoiler alert Violetta or the parallel character Violetta she has a different name in the book uh, has already died of consumption Ooh. and the whole novel opens with like an auction of all of her belongings mm-hmm. happening in Paris. Damn. So it's almost like a like the whole story is told as like a retrospective of of her life and his affair with her and his experiences with her. And then so in the opera, the whole opera opens, the overture opens really really quietly with this incredibly sad theme that's actually Violetta's death scene, a death theme Ooh. in the opera. And so you get a similar effect where it kind of takes you, the overture takes you on a journey of the themes that you hear, but in like 
a reverse order Mm -hmm. so that you go from what you hear at the very end of the opera up until a theme that leads you right into where the actual curtain rises and the action on stage begins. Yeah. So. Like, you know that it's not going to be a happy story. No. Going in. Yeah, I think it sets that pretty well. I mean, like, when it opens like this, it's not going to be good. Yeah, don't they in some in some stagings? Don't they have like sickly pale Violetta is on stage during this? Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. In some productions, yeah. In some productions, it's just kind of an overture. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you guys have strong feelings on that either way about people staging things during an overture that weren't originally intended? I think it depends on the piece. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you have an example of something that you really don't think should have that? Yes. Please, tell me. <laughs> tell me. You're trying I, to be nice. I think the opening of Vertair mm. does not require any kind of like live action reenactment of what the events were leading up to where Vertair starts. Ah. Like the death of the mother and all of that Um stuff i don't think that it's very necessary oh and some productions act that out yeah i don't i don't particularly care for that huh all right fair enough just one person's opinion it's not a crime just just put it on the program just read your program people (laughs) all right read the synopsis before you go there are context clues in the opera i don't think that we need everything spoon-fed to us because i think we just give us some credit so then (laughs) we'll assume that in this production we're talking about right now, it's just the overture, and then curtain opens on Act One. Act One. What is it? What is it that we see? What? It's a party. Party. It's a party. It's a motherfucking party. <laughs> So I will say that this, like, even though this 
bombed a little bit on opening night. It did travel around to different places, but people were very torn about it because of its very scandalous subject matter. So there, and there were, when it came to New York, there was some critique in the evening post or something that was like, if you've seen Don Giovanni, this is nothing. Nice. Right? I wish so, yeah. Like, stop being so prude, people. Basically. So, the curtain rises Fair on enough. a party in full swing. In Paris. In Paris. <laughs> and it's at Violetta's house. And so, nice. she is basically, like, swanning around. Living it up. As the, the queen of the party. Everybody's She's drinking champagne. The belle of the ball. Belle of the ball. Belle of the ball. And Violetta is with a, she has, like, a lover or a keeper Baron Dupal, oh, yes. and he they're kind of like walking around together and then the drinking song happens which we have mentioned and this is kind of like sort of the moment where Violetta and Alfredo have the love at first sight like make eyes at each other well, right so Alfredo was invited to this party yes and he sees her and he was like I am deeply in love with you and I'm obsessed with you yes she sees him and she's like oh Oh, honey. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know you. Who mm-hmm. are you? Yeah. But he's super obsessed with her. He sings to her about love and all of this stuff. Doesn't does Alfredo have like a title? Is he he's like upper class though, right? Like something like he that. He is upper class, but I don't mm-hmm. know if he has a t- a title. But you he's know. like nobility. Yeah, he's bourgeois. He's bourgeoisie. Uh, so bourgeoisie. super bougie, yeah. super super bougie. Bougie. So they drink. They they drink. They, drink. they sing this big drinking song. Burn, burn, Everyone is like, burn, it's burn, a major burn, key, burn, and we are dancing, burn. and we're singing about how much we love booze. Look at this party, all the candles are lit. Everything is just so expensive. And then they go into dinner, right? Right. Can we just also say that that is like the most overdone, like you're at like some sort of like opera, gala, fundraiser, something or else. And they're like, oh, we'll just like, we'll do Brindisi. Like we have a bunch of people, opera singers around. We could do Brindisi. The Brindisi flash mob. Yes. Yes. That yeah. is like the opera flash mob. Oh, the thing. Is Brindisi. Yes. Right. Well, it's because everybody knows it because it's just ubiquitous in, in the culture. Even if you don't know where it, what it is or where it's from, yeah. you, you know the song. You know the tune. You've heard it right, before. Right. You've heard it. Probably in like a pasta commercial. I don't know. Probably. Right. <laughs> or a car commercial. Or a car yeah. commercial. An airline commercial. Like whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, airline is Lachme. Is a Lachme duet. Sometimes I don't. Oh, nice. Sometimes I can't decide whether I'm happy about that or if it makes me sad. Like, I'm happy like, oh, yeah, that's Mozart, and it's in this car commercial, so everybody's listening to Mozart. Or am I sad that 
people like for most people they've just relegated opera and classical music to commercials or elevator music for the record Lachman is not by Mozart. I'm, I didn't. I, sh- I, just, I just want to make I wasn't I just insinuating. Sure. I wasn't insinuating. Whoa. I know. I just want to make sure we made that clear. Whoa. 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 I'm offended. Whoa. Whoa. The Lachman duet is by. Shit. Delib. Oh, right. I should have known that considering it was in my wedding. Bien. Malika. Also, Also very overdone. And I have no problem saying that. But it's pretty. So beautiful. And it works in any situation because it's literally about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at the flowers. Mm-hmm. They are so pretty. Ah, everything is nice. I mean, anyway, so. I, I do have to say really quick in all seriousness that I do feel slightly insulted, Naomi. I do not mean to insult it's you. Just, I know that you know it's not by Mozart. It's just the sequence of how we spoke mm-hmm, about it mm-hmm. led one to believe. She it, just didn't want any audience member who was listening to think that you were implying oh, thank that God. Mozart thank I've got your back, man. I've got your back. She didn't think that you were saying right. that, but she didn't want people to like mistakenly infer that right. in, in the order of the, like in context, mm-hmm. you could see right. where people would think mm-hmm. that a mistake had been made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so anyway, I mean, in, in all, no, in, no, in all, no, 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 well, no, back no, to Traviata. In all realness, I mean, I, I can't be that upset because in most cases, I know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> Jon Snow. Uh, they, they got married, isn't that nice? I know it's so sweet. Oh, Kit Harrington got married. I actually just heard that as well. Yeah, to the actress who played Egret. Yeah, I know that is amazing. Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Back to Traviata. They sing the Brindisi. Everyone's like, I know that. Um, and everybody goes in. Everybody's like, I'm drunk. I'm drunk. Everybody goes into dinner. But Violetta's like, oh, shit. I don't feel good because she's got the TB. Um, <laughs> so she stays behind. And, of course, Alfredo is there because he's a fucking stalker. <laughs> is obsessed with her even though he's never had a real conversation with her. Right, And right. he's like, hey, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. What are you talking about? And then he's like, oh, my God, I love, love you. you. And she's like, I don't I don't know you. Um, so he sings this big thing where he's like, internal love and everything. And she's like, I just want to party. So he sings this like super heartfelt thing where he's pouring his soul out right right and then she sings her retort or her reply is like i'm gonna live for myself forever right everything's right? great but then she starts to have a feeling right right yes it actually is a pretty great example of text painting yeah because his line in this duet is like so legato and like drawn out mm. like pouring out his heart and then she has and everything's like ascending ascending and he's talking about her being like ethereal and angelic right and And then her line is very rhythmic and like you know flighting like not very Mm -hmm. serious and actually now that you mention it it does have this descending the
So yes, then she has this big Shana, right? Where she's yes. like, I'm going to live for myself and everything's great and fine. But and then she hears pleasure. him like, I'm going to live for pleasure. And then she hears him like singing his love song to her right. in the distance. And she's like, oh, what is this feeling so sudden and new? Um, and <laughs> it basically ends with, Boo. It basically ends with her being like, nice. okay, I love you too. And then they run off together. And people write all the time about how like their duet moment is kind of like musical expressions of lovemaking, essentially. Oh, right. dang. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's some like pretty scandalous musicological Damn. analysis oh, of <laughs> when you said that, When you said that, I had this picture in my mind of like a romance novel, but d- musicological analysis. <laughs> I'm sure it exists, man. I'm sure it exists. All right. Sorry. <laughs> so. Moving on. Elspeth is giving me the it, we need to effing move on face. Act okay. two. Yeah. Let's so. move on. Act two. We're in the country. It's three months have gone by. Mm. A blissful three months. We're at Violetta's country house. So like this woman had like money. Damn, she's rich. House in the country, a house in the city. Doing a lot of work. They're in the country. She and Alfredo are like living it up. They've been having fun. They're in Lerve. In Lerve. (laughs) Out in the country. And then... He basically sees no problem with this. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the act, she's like, everything's wonderful and we're living this beautiful life. Mm -hmm. And then... Who shows up? Giorgio Germol. 
Who's that? Oh, Alfredo's dad. Yeah. His dad. His oh, dad. no. And so Alfredo's like out doing something. I don't know where he's he is. He's frolicking in the woods. Right. I don't know what <laughs> And his dad shows up. I saw a production where he was like out hunting or something. He's gathering right. wildflowers in the meadow. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad shows up and Violetta says, Alfredo's not here. And Giorgio's like, doesn't matter. I'm here to see you. Uh-oh. And at first she's like, hey, man, I'm not doing that anymore. Or at least not, no. not right now. No, it doesn't really go there. Because then he's like, I know you love Alfredo. And I know you two seem really happy. But, like, you got to understand that this is completely ruining our family. And he has a little sister who's, like, never going to be able to marry somebody respectable because of you. and how Because of the scandal. How unrespectable you are. And once you think of her... This innocent virgin. Yeah. And then Violetta's like, don't you realize that I've been basically selling all of my belongings behind Alfredo's back to support our life here in the country? Because Alfredo's a fucking idiot. Like, he doesn't work. (laughs) Like, we don't, he doesn't have a job. And so, and she's like not pursuing her past job anymore because she loves him. Right. And so then Giorgio is like, well, that's nice and everything, but that doesn't really fix my problem. My problem is that my my younger daughter can't marry anybody if you love alfredo if you love our family at all if your heart is not completely cold you will leave him let him go let him go and make him believe that it's your choice so that he doesn't follow you because he's never going to let go of you this music is also pretty amazing yes oh yes i love the giorgio germont music in general it's just like super baritone awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she finally she says that she'll do it. And they have this great duet. And then yeah. she's like, I just want you to, you know, embrace me as a father because she never had that. And it's just really lovely. Yeah. And he's like, I can't moment. believe that you would actually do this for me. You Fuck are. you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you what are. do you think was going to happen when you fucking. Sh- oh, okay. <laughs> and so then she. They have this beautiful moment where he's like, I embrace you as a daughter. You're giving up everything for me. And she's like, and for my family. And she says, I promise that I will do this for you. Right. And then he leaves. And then she like sits down at the table to write a farewell letter to Alfredo because he's still out hunting or picking wildflowers <laughs> and then he comes back and right around the time that we're she's like folding it. up the letter yeah. right and then she's been crying this whole time and the music it's like written into the music where she's like crying sobbing mm-hmm. singing all at the same time mm-hmm. as she writes this letter and then he's like oh my love are you okay like your face looks a little tear-stained and she's basically like everything's fine everything's fine i'm fine <laughs> i'm fine and then bye Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And then she has a <laughs> big scene really where it's, fine. It's, it's actually my favorite part in this opera where there's this huge crescendo and she's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Then huge crescendo. She's like, love me, Alfredo. Yeah. And, the dun, 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 dun. and she's like, embrace me, Alfredo. And then they kiss and hug and it's beautiful. And he doesn't get that, like, this is incredibly overdramatic and right. perhaps a little bit much for just a regular, like, hug in the afternoon. <laughs> right? A regular Tuesday. A regular right. Tuesday. <laughs> Oh, 
And then he's like, okay, well, you're good. Fine. And then she's like, I have an errand to run. I'll be back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll totally be and back, though. Like, I'll totally be, I'll back. be back. And then she leaves. And that's it. She's out. She's gone. gone. She rushes out. And then Alfredo's like, that was a little... That, that escalated quickly. <laughs> like, that was a little rushed. And then he kind of turns to the servant. And he's like, is the servant there? And then all of a sudden, his dad comes back. And he's like, what are you doing here, dad? And then he tries to comfort his son because he's just like, Violetta's gone. She's not coming back. And then Alfredo, like, falls apart. And then he suspects that... There was a way that he could like reunite with her or confront her. And so the Baron that we saw at the beginning of Act One that she was with right. is having a party and he's like, aha, she's run back to him. I'm going to go confront her there mm. and like expose her and basically punish her for what she's doing to me. And Giorgio Germal does not actually explain anything about why Violetta has left. He's just like, son, don't do that. And then Alfredo says, too bad, Dad, I'm doing it, and rushes off. And out he goes. And that's Trouble. the end. End of Act 2? Of Act 2. It's not, yeah. not going to go well. Uh, well no, 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 that's not the end of Act 2. That's the end of that scene. That Shayna. Oh, right. That is a really big, long scene. Scene 2 is a party at Flora's. Back in Paris. Yes. Flora is a friend of Violetta? Yeah. Yeah. And this is where the Baron is actually there. And everybody's there. And then... Gambling, having great time. Having fun. And Violetta is there. And everyone's kind of amazed to see her because they knew that she was wildly in love with this guy. But then it's like, ooh, I bet Violetta and Alfredo broke up. And so this is like the the gospel of the day. Oh, dang. This is also the moment of this great chorus, which is musically amazing, but also like metaphorically, it's kind of crazy because it's all about like bullfighting Mm. and basically... It's like they frame it all around, like telling a story of gypsies from afar and bullfighting and that kind of thing. But it's kind of a, I think it's a bit of a metaphor for how like women just get caught right in this whole scenario, mm-hmm. right? And and the men just kind of like force them into this kind of life. Anyway, so it usually ends up being a pretty good staging opportunity. Also, it's a great staging opportunity. That- uh, is it male and female chorus or just male chorus? Both. Yeah. Big chorus. But the most recent production at the Met, which is not the new production this season, but like the, oh, who designed that? Uh, Willie uh, Decker. Willie Decker, the Willie Decker oh, production. Right, he actually, right. even though it's male and female chorus that sing it, he has everybody dressed. The clock one. As men. Like in suits. Yeah. In suits. And so it's really interesting. So everybody's in black and white except yeah. for Except for Violetta, Violetta in this in red. Like, stunning yeah. red dress, right? Okay. So then she arrives, Violetta comes in with the Baron, and Alfredo sees them. He's been gambling this whole time. And basically, he just completely humiliates her publicly. Yes, he assaults her. And he tries to grab her. He tries to, like, force himself upon her. And she's, like... He, like, shoves money down her dress. Yes, and he's, like, throwing money at her. This is what I owe you for all the services you've given me. Right. Right? It's really awful. It's an awful scene. Horrible. It's a great scene dramatically, but, like, it pulls at your heart because, like, you know what she did, and he's just being a complete idiot. It's like the ultimate insult, like, throwing money at her. Like, this is all you're worth, basically. In front of everybody. In front of everyone. So then who shows up? His dad. Giorgio Germont. His dad. 
who's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? Which it's like, shame. To be fair. Shame. It's his dad's <laughs> fault. Because Do nobody, we... what is this idiot kid supposed to think? Because no one has explained to him yeah. the situation. Whatever. Right. So he, he reacted badly. Mm-hmm. He reacted very badly. His father comes and his father actually chastises his son. And he says, how dare you treat a woman like this? And he kind of, like, goes to Violetta to help her up. And then um, everyone tries to persuade Violetta to leave. But then Violetta basically turns to Alfredo and says, you'll never understand this, but I love you like mm-hmm. more than anything. And then she leaves. Oh, heartbreaking. And end act two. Dang. Then act three. That's when shit gets bad. We're in Violetta's bedroom. She's basically destitute. Right. It's months later. She is dying. She's got the TB. The TB is running rampant. Yeah. She's kind of like saying good goodbye to life, goodbye to everything. She sings this aria. Adios. I thought, no, she says Traviata, doesn't she? And the second verse. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. And basically, she's trying to stay alive long enough in hopes that Alfredo will come back, but she's kind of given up hope of ever reconciling with him. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of given into the fact that she's going to die. And then her maid runs in and is like, he's coming, he's coming, he's just moments away. And then Alfredo bursts in. My father's told me everything. I can't believe what you did. I love you so much. We were going to be together now. Nothing stands in our way anymore. I'm so sorry for how I treated you. And then his father comes in and his father's like, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. Mm-hmm. And then there's... Too late, buckaroo. Too late, dudes. Violetta kind of says, like, that's wonderful, but too late. But then she also has this moment where... They kind of like relive all of their happy times musically, like mm-hmm. her and Alfredo. And so they recall all of these themes and they're like, we're going to go to Paris together and we're going to live this beautiful life. And then even though she's dying, she says, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Like I feel myself gaining energy again. I'm going to, I'm going to live. I'm going to uh-huh. like, I feel, I feel 
reinvigorated. You've saved me. Like, we're going to live this beautiful life. And then that's, like, moments before she falls dead, down lifeless yeah. collapses. on the bed. Collapses. And I don't think Alfredo notices right away, but then it's kind of like a bohem moment. Right. Where, like, he thinks she's still alive, but then once he realizes, he's like, no. Right. And the whole opera ends with her dying in Alfredo's arms. Tragic. And apparently the person having a moment where like they feel super alive again right before they pass away was something that medical journals in the time period like documented as something that happened often that you would have this period of almost delirium where like it was very clear that they were in their last their last few hours and then they would have a moment or two where they felt revived again and kind of all pain would fade and that was a sign that the end was imminent. Right. I obviously don't know anything about any kind of documentation having to do with that, but I feel like there have been instances in either my life or the lives of people close to me where they've experienced something like that with a, like a relative or oh, really? somebody that's passing away. Apparently it's fairly common that yeah. like there's this moment of extreme clarity. Yeah. I think it may also be like a moment where the the person that is dying is kind of realized like all right like mm-hmm. this is it mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not fighting it anymore and mm-hmm. so they can have like a moment of peace and then they right. pass on so violetta has that and it's beautiful musically yeah. and then but it gives alfredo a little bit too much hope Right. And then it makes it in an operatic setting. It makes things more tragic because she actually, yeah, and totally. it's, it's reflected in the music too, where she's like, Oh my gosh, I feel better. Like I feel good. Yeah. And you're an audience yeah. member thinking like anything could happen. I mean, it's not, this, this is great. Yeah. And then, I mean, in pretty woman, it worked out well for her. Right? So, and then seconds later, she's right. dead. Not so in Traviata. Yeah. And that is the end of one of the most famous operas ever written. Right. Hooray. A super fun opera, but a pretty down ending. Well, yeah. most of them. Do you guys though. have favorite singers in any of these roles that you've seen or heard on recording? I mean, I saw Netrebko right. sing it with Rolando Viazzone, and they were amazing. That is definitely mm-hmm. on YouTube. We'll link to that. Cause oh, yeah, because it was in the Salzburg Festival when that production made its world premiere, the Willie Decker production. Oh, okay. I think it was 2004, 2005. And I remember that being like one of the first times I actually watched Traviata from beginning to end and just being like transfixed by these two singers. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. Yeah. There is a, a very old, I think it's Zeffirelli directed, a very old movie version from like the early 80s with, um, I remember watching it when I was in school. I checked it out of the library with um, Teresa Stratus and Placido. Right. Oh, right. yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Everything is filmed with like a Vaseline lens over everything. Yes. It's like set in 1850. It's really beautiful. Think, and they're both really good. I think mm-hmm. there is also like a cheesy movie version with Anna Netrebko, I think. You're thinking uh, of Boan. You're thinking of Boan. Oh, Boheme. you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yes, but yes. But yes. <laughs> there's also there's also a great version with Renee Fleming, and I can't remember who sang Alfredo yeah. in that. But it was like a, a very historically rooted production, so mm-hmm. it was like super elaborate. Well, we will link to the YouTube video with the Willie Decker, and you should 
sure. You all should check it out if you haven't seen or heard of this before, because people I feel like people often refer to it, you know, the clock production. Although or not, the, the red, red dress. Oh, the red dress, the red dress right? Traviata. Yeah. And um, I don't mean it's a. I think it's a really interesting production. Um, I really liked it. Some people didn't. Right. But I thought it really. Some worked. people don't because it's such a departure from the traditional staging. Yeah, it's very stark and it it's is very ugly, stark. And, and but I think it works. But I think it's interesting. Like it focuses your attention on how she knows from the very beginning that time is running out for her, right. and you're reminded of that constantly by this clock where it's like constantly ticking and also what i refer to as dr death walking around yeah he's always there because he's always there it's like the person who plays the doctor is always on stage kind of pacing and walking around so he's kind of like the like an angel of death hanging over everything Mm -hmm. but i also think that the absence of all the stuff on stage Mm -hmm. also focuses you on the music and on the relationship between these two people yeah so yeah. I love that production. I do too. It's not everyone's jam. I think right. I, like I think I really like it and at the same time I'm happy that there's going to be a new production because it is mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. an enjoyable production but not one that I necessarily want to see over and over and over again. Right. So. Totally. Yeah. And on that note, I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. I'm Kyle. Thanks for listening. Check us Yeah, <laughs> check us out on all that. You ruined it, Kyle. Check us out on all the the usual social media things, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.